Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of How to Live, the podcast. This week, I am actually off to Bali for three full weeks. I cannot believe it. I'm going actually to do my yoga teacher training. Um, So that's 22 days of full-on yoga. I think it's like 11 hours a day or something a little bit scary like that. And this is actually something I've wanted to do for such a long time. It's really personal, just for me, nothing to do with work. Um, And I guess for a while, I was kind of grappling with this idea of whether I should go and whether I should take this time away from my work, you know, kind of riddled with guilt, I guess, that the team and Steph would be behind in Melbourne, like working towards our dreams. And I'm just like off in Bali doing my own thing. Um, But ultimately, you know, I decided I really need to practice what I preach. And, you know, if it was one of my team members coming to me and saying, do you think I should do this? The answer would absolutely be yes. So I am finally going and I am so excited. Good for you. I'm excited for you too. And don't worry about the team. We're going to hold down the fort. We'll be totally fine. But who's going to feed your cat while you're gone? Oh, Elliot will definitely have to take care of Snow White. I feel like I'll have to check in with him to make sure he's actually feeding her. Yeah, I feel like he might have to call on you and Deb a little bit. Yeah, but you'll come back in full yogi mode and you're going to run rooftop sessions of yoga for us. So I'm really excited. Same. So today, as promised, we thought we would change up the format of our episodes a little bit. We did talk a little bit about our journey and our story so far. In the first episode, we talked about how we built tubes just a little and people seemed really interested in that. So we thought it'd be really fun and different if today we kind of told you the tube story. We kind of gave the backstory a little bit, I think, in our first episode. And so if you didn't listen to that yet, definitely go back and listen to it. But today we thought we could talk about actually launching tubes, how we launched it, how it's been so far, the failures and learnings. And there have been many, many failures, but we like to brand them learnings because it's way sexier. Obviously. And yeah, we just thought we'd like run you through the journey. Okay, so let's get into it. So I guess where we left off um, in our previous episode talking about tubes was when we kind of had found our suppliers, had created a product. So at this point, when we finally got the product to where we wanted it to be, which honestly took so many rounds of sampling, I think it took like two years or something before we had a product that we were like, okay, we're ready to bring it to market. It took way longer than we thought it would. And I think that's really funny about most things that you set out and you're in this huge rush and you're like, I got to do this tomorrow. But if you look at our first prototypes, like I have like on my computer 15 folders of the weirdest, most unwearable looking shoes you've ever seen like in they, your life. They didn't even look like shoes when we first started in the beginning of that prototype sesh. But then even once we launched, like I definitely think we will both admit we weren't like looking back on it, those products, the first collection kind of make us go, we didn't even know how to choose like the colors like I remember we were like all right how do we like pick different colors for these different shoes and somebody kind of said oh there are these things Pantone books that you can look at and you can pick out you know there are a million shades of fuchsia so just picking a fuchsia that you want to pick is like 
insane and mind-blowing but we picked these four colors i don't even know why we picked those four colors they were the most like orange purple pink pink, aqua oh yeah aqua aqua Aqua. and we thought oh these colors are so fun and out there this will totally be what people want to wear exactly so at this point i guess because our background was really in that influencer side we'd seen so many brands kind of come through and utilize influencing as a way to like launch their brand and then they would have success just by putting their products on influencers and then having other people see them on Instagram so we were like okay like plenty of other people have done this before us like this isn't some groundbreaking concept this will work for us so we had really heavily weighted the marketing of our shoes on an influencer marketing strategy but the problem with this was when we kind of came up with that concept that was you know around the time where triangle swimwear and frank body were really coming up and utilizing instagram as a marketing platform but because it took us two years to bring this product to market side learning probably should have thought about a product that we could bring to market quicker than shoes because like they're a, so technical like a lip gloss oh lip gloss um, kylie knows what's up a bronzer yeah anything really anything other than shoes so by the time we were launching influencer marketing wasn't as powerful as it once was and we hadn't really considered that we also thought well, we're influencers. We could just launch a product and everybody's going to go out and buy it, right? Yeah. So absolute spoiler alert. Um, we kind of like launched our shoes and then and had influencers wearing them and we were wearing them. And we were talking about them and they didn't really sell that well, like at all. It was just kind of like a really, really slow burn, like orders like trickling through maybe a few a day. This was when we were online only, so you could only buy the shoes at tubes.com. And like, it felt like daggers in our heart. Like it was like, it was it was a huge blow for us and a huge moment where we were like, uh-oh, like have we just spent all this time and energy investing in something that actually isn't gonna be what we thought it was? So we really want to tell you how we got from there to how we got to a viable shoe business that we are today. But before we do that, we really want to tell you how we launched. So I'm not sure if you guys might have seen, but we did post this video um, on Facebook a few years ago that was how we launched our brand tubes at New York Fashion Week for $500. So basically, big rewind, um, we, with How to Live, often go to fashion weeks and this one particular year when we had our tubes ready to start selling we were going to fashion week for how to live and we know from being at fashion weeks that there are often a lot of just like photographers hanging out outside the shows kind of like waiting around in between the time that people are coming and going so they can take some street style photos so while we were there we were like this is the perfect opportunity to launch our shoes but we really don't have a lot of money here we don't have a lot of budget and we're not going to spend a million dollars to launch our product at fashion week like so many brands do i mean we would have loved to have spent that money but Mm, let's be real we didn't have it exactly so we came up with this idea it was like winter in uh new york so i think it was like zero degrees at this point yeah celsius it was like stupid cold like the type of cold where you go outside and like every part of your face that's exposed starts to sting like yeah fully so um we were like okay let's just really embrace this we decided that we would put on a summer fashion show in quotation marks on the streets of new york outside of these fashion week venues so we 
we had no models of V. We don't know anyone in New York. So we put it out on Craigslist and Craigslist is genius. There's Gumtree in Australia and we posted an ad and we honestly had about a hundred responses of people wanting to come and model in our campaign. So we held a modeling casting in the lobby of our hotel it oh was my god hilarious i forgot about that i know how funny that's really good so we had one I think it girl was also the day before our show or like two days before our oh, show oh yeah 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 it was we're like cutting it real fine real fine as we do and like we had no idea if we we're going to be able to pull this thing together let alone pull it off i think we had also been like checking the weather every day and it was like raining on some days and like snowing on other days so we were just like really hoping and praying that this one day was going to work out for us so I remember there was this one girl who came from I think it's Rhode Island and she'd gotten on like an eight hour bus to get there yes and like these Americans they're just hard workers it's pretty incredible and I think what was really cool as well was that when we kind of chatted to them about why they were keen to get involved like their response was kind of like, oh, it just sounded like a really cool experience that I could have under my belt. Not that they were trying to be models or anything. One of them was even like getting into med school as we were talking to her. It was just like a fun experience to have had in like your 20s. So the concept that we'd come up with, as just mentioned, there are photographers always waiting outside shows. They don't have anything to do. So we were like, right, we could put on this summer fashion show in the middle of winter We'll take them to these venues where fashion shows are on. And in between the fashion shows, maybe when the photographers have nothing to do, they're going to want to shoot our models and we're going to create a really big buzz around this. So I remember like driving in the car on the way to the Fashion Week venue, not knowing whether anyone's even going to react or like what's going to happen. Are they going to laugh at us? Yeah, like Stephanie and I had full on butterflies at this moment. I remember we were just like, this is if this fails, this will be really awkward for us. You know, and the models are dressed up in bikinis. We've done their hair and makeup ourselves. We got a few brands on board to give like, you know, Sunny Life gave us some cool props and we were really going to like set the beach scene. Oh my God. That's so funny that we do the hair and makeup. I forgot about that. How funny is that? <laughs> we're not good at hair and makeup. Just we're FYI. Okay, we're fine. I we mean, get like, by. We you do know our own. And when you're a startup, like those are the things that you just kind of have to do. Like, oh, 100%. You just like, I'm not going to pay money for this. So I'm just going to learn how to do it myself. Watch a couple YouTube tutorials. I feel like we might have watched some YouTube tutorials on like how to do eyeshadow and that kind of stuff. Anyway, so we're on the way in the car to our first show. We were blasting the heating because we were so worried that these girls were going to like get hypothermia once we Mm -hmm. got them out of the car. They were in dressing gowns that we borrowed from the hotel and blasting this heating. We got to the first venue. We took the girls outside. I remember a few people were like, what is going on here? I think we also had like a boom box that we were like carrying on our shoulder. Like, you know, oh, this is such a vibe. So we're like really trying to create like a show and like a whole vibey area. Totally. And like these fashion people are serious, you know, like we didn't want to be the laughing stock. And, and we I- also didn't want to offend anyone. Like I remember that was a conversation as well. You know, we, we come to New York Fashion Week, we're guests, like we don't want to offend. We don't want to piss any like, you know, fashion week people festival off but so the girls pulled out their fold-out chairs and they came they strutted in they sat down they started just like acting like it was the middle of summer I remember one girl had like a bit of a hula hoop with her or something oh my God. <laughs> one girl was blowing bubbles honestly now I cringe when I think about that but like totally 
Anyway, these photographers, one by one, started to kind of come over and be like, what is this? What's happening here? Someone started to take photos. Another guy started to take photos. And all of a sudden, we had this swarm of people taking photos. Oh, my God. It was literally absolutely amazing. Like, I just remember when, at, in that exact moment when there were, like, photographers, like, swarming the girls, Sammy and I looking over at each other and just, like, absolutely pissing ourselves laughing, like oh my gosh, did this actually work? Like, are we actually doing this? So good. It was such a good feeling. And then we continued on to another couple of Fashion Week venues and they had like a similar reception. And it's also really funny because, you know, now when we go to Fashion Week, there are actually a lot of brand activations outside and a lot of people have kind of cottoned on to this um, attention, I guess, that you could grab from people going into these venues. But we were kind of at the right time where it was completely innovative. And I think that's why people were so shocked and excited by it because they'd never seen anything like it. Totally. Like now when we've looked to do things at Fashion Weeks, it's almost like you've got to do something understated and that's more clever. But at the time we had identified that this kind of thing wasn't really going on at Fashion Weeks. So at the time, it was really innovative and cool. So what was really interesting about this for us is that it did have um, a great reception and, you know, it like went pretty crazy on socials. And I think like New York Fashion Week picked it up on their Snapchat and stuff like that. So we were really excited about like on the day and the couple of days after like the buzz. And we were sure that this was going to be how we would get our first sales. Like we were like sitting there back in our hotel room waiting watching and being like okay let the sales roll in and I think we got honestly like five sales from that yeah I even remember one of the first sales that came through was a girl that I know Hannah Baker thanks Hannah and she still loves tubes today which is awesome but yeah so there were a few that were trickling in but nothing major and a big part of why we were doing this as well was because we wanted to get press on our brand so we started writing to journalists that either we had had a connection with or really just reaching out cold saying you know with a bunch of photos just saying look at what we did at New York Fashion Week like we launched on a budget and just so you know this is something we've done a lot over the years is we've pulled together press lists and the way you do that is literally by getting your google stalk on you google or you find articles that you feel like are similar to the kind of article you'd be wanted something someone to write about you and you find the journalist's name you use i we use this awesome website called rocket reach where you type in someone's name and they give you like, I think it's five free a month you get. You get email addresses from people. They also so, spam your inbox. So beware. Rocket Rage. Yeah. But that's because you're signed up to them, not when you're actually using it. Oh, it's really annoying. Oh, maybe it is once you sign up to them. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> you do have to sign up to them to get people's email addresses. But, you know, there are really savvy ways like that, you know, finding people on social media now. Some people have their emails in their bios. But pulling together your own media list is really, really handy and is something that's come in handy for us a lot. So we were reaching out to press and we thought we had this brilliant story in our hands and the feedback that we were getting from everyone, either they wouldn't respond, which I feel like is so common and still happens to us on the regs. Well, yeah, I feel like one in 30 emails you send to a journalist will get a response if that. Yeah, but so the ones who were responding were like, oh, like, nah, this is old news. Like New York Fashion Week happened yesterday. Like not really that interested. Literally not one person wanted to write about it. And we tried for a couple of weeks and we started to realize, okay, it's a bit late now. It isn't newsworthy. They're right. But we knew we felt like we had a story in there. And when we looked at what we were showing them and what we were telling them, 
we were writing the story and we were sending them photos of what happened, but we were like, we feel like they're not really understanding like how cool this is and how we literally like brands pay a million dollars to launch at Fashion Week. And we did this with $500. So we were like, okay, let's take this back a step. Let's tell the story ourselves. So we created this video and okay, I don't know if we're, can we tell them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's tell we're them. We're going to tell you. We're gonna truth be, time, truth, truth time, time, truth time. Okay. We went to our house in Melbourne, Australia, weeks after this has happened in New York Fashion Week. I think it was summer. So now it's like 40 degrees. Now it's 40 degrees. So we decided to recreate some of the scenes that we would have shot in New York to tell the story. So we get dressed in like our coats and our knits, our zero degree attire and we filmed this story and so it did have a little bit of creative license in there and that like those things weren't exactly happening at the time but we just told it as if it was happening at the time we said hey guys here we are at new york fashion week this is what we have planned today because we had some footage from the day from like snapchat in those days and a bit that we had taken on our phones but we didn't know that we were gonna want to do a video so we really didn't have much to work with so when you watch it back, it's funny because, well, it's funny for us because we can tell that we're just like in our house talking about what we're going to do that day. And once we created this video, we'll put the link, by the way, in the show notes. You have to go and watch it. It's a pretty brilliant video. It is. It's really good. Ha. Um, so once we did that video, we um, not only did we like put it on Facebook ourselves, um, but we then reached out to journalists again and we were like, here's the story. We basically told it for you. Do you want to run it? And we made the headline, How to Launch at New York Fashion Week with $500. And we thought about the angle, which is I studied PR. So, you know, I'd been taught, think about the angle. And, you know, you really do have to think about what would a journalist want to write about? What would people want to read about? And we knew we had something here. So within a few days, a woman called Kathy Anderson, who we had never spoken to before and happened to be the business editor I believe at the Huffington Post she reached out to us and was like hey girls I love this I really want to do a story on it and we just couldn't believe it like we'd been hustling so hard for so long on this and it just all kind of came together for us we were like wow we were right we needed to tell the story it wasn't just enough to be like hey here's this thing that we did we really need to tell it in the way that we saw it and the way that we thought it was so innovative to get somebody to care about it and I feel like we've definitely touched on this before but it just kind of really shows that you know we do not take no for an answer had we taken no for an answer we probably wouldn't have even done the show in the beginning or maybe we wouldn't have gotten any press on it but like we just kept looking at each other and saying no there's something in this we know there is we know there is we won't take a no for an answer push 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 and like we've told you before we'll tell you again that is really that really has been so crucial to getting our messaging across and getting exposure is just that we're so annoying. We won't take no for an answer. We are going to annoy the shit out of you. Don't say no to us. <laughs> so this is really the best part. What's the best part? The, what I'm about to say. Don't you remember what happened? No. Oh, okay. I'll tell you. You're going to love this. So we knew this article was going to be published and we were waiting. And, you know, you don't really know when it's going to be published, what day it's going to be published, how much of you is going to be in there. Is it going to be a story that includes other people? So it's Monday morning. It's about 7 a.m. It was probably April 2016 at this point. And we get a call. Go on HuffingtonPost.com.au. So we go on Huffington Post. And I'm not kidding. 
the front page of the entire Huffington Post is a picture, not of us, which we'd had, you know, we'd had pictures of us out there. This was a picture of our shoes on our models in New York Fashion Week. And the headline was how two entrepreneurs pulled off a launch at Fashion Week for $500. Yes, oh we did God. it. And they had like a link to our website and they had like amazing imagery and a link to the video and it had like all the great things. I remember I didn't even know that the Huffington Post used one space of their website for one thing like that. Like it was it was the entire front page. Yeah. It was crazy. It was ginormous. It was like landing like the front page of like the most popular newspaper, you know, back in the day. Oh my God, we were just dying. And yeah, that was when for us, we were like, right, we are never taking a no. Not that we ever did, but we are never taking no as an answer ever Yeah, again. that was just kind of like, okay, it's evident that we need to just like continue to push. And so, so that was the launch and that was awesome. And we did like gain a bit of traction from that. But again, we touched on it. The influencer thing, it didn't really work out for us. It's great for brand awareness, which is what we've since learned. You know, it's kind of like being in a magazine. Like it's great for people that they're seeing your shoes and that you're front of mind. But in terms of pushing sales for us, for our brand, it really has not been the driver. And even that launch, you know, like that was incredible brand awareness. And still to this day, people say to us, oh wait are you the girls who have the shoe label and you launch at New York Fashion Week like the brand awareness around that was incredible but what we've really learned is that PR and social media are really for brand awareness they're not to drive sales so I think the thing for us at that point was we were so like sales 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 we were like how do we make a quick sale we weren't really thinking about the longevity of the business so we were really taking the right steps at that point to creating a longevity in our business but it wasn't the way to get sales it kind of needed to be in tandem with a sales strategy this is actually when we joined the startup program which we also touched on in our first episode in conversation with jess and seth um so we joined this startup program um to kind of like help us with our business because it was kind of like okay we launched our shoe brand now what that's like exactly how we're feeling we're working from home it was just the two of us we were like what the hell do we do now we're sitting on all this stock we don't know how to move it we don't know actually how to run a business and one of the best things we got out of that startup program I mean there are a lot of them but just having that community around us you know like suddenly we weren't on our own we had other people around us who were also trying to start their businesses and they were there to listen to offer advice we could hear about their problems we related to each other on such a big level and I feel like that's something that's so important that you know when you are starting a business if you're on your own or if you just have one partner you know either joining a co-working space or going on an accelerator program, even joining a Facebook group yeah, like like-minded like, bitches drinking wine. Hell yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, those are just really powerful ways to connect with other people who are going the same through the same thing as you and often are having really weirdly similar problems to you because let's face it, we all kind of face those so same problems when starting out. Totally. And so it was actually interesting as well because when we were on this startup program, you know, we were kind of like pushing this like shoe agenda and the feedback that we were getting from a lot of people was, oh, like, I don't really know if the shoes is the thing for you guys. Like, I don't really know if this is the product that's going to take off. Like, love the two of you, love your energy, like think that you'll do great things. Don't necessarily know that this is what it will be. And it's actually really funny because we discussed this recently um, with the news about Shoes of Prey no longer being. Uh, But so Shoes of Prey was this brand in Australia that kind of 
I guess started the like customization through their website. So you would basically go on there and you would create your own pair of shoes. You could use different colors, different prints, different fabrics, everything. And the feedback that we were getting from these people was, you guys should look at shoes of prey. Like this is an innovative thing in the shoe industry. You need to be doing something like this. Yeah, like you constantly need to be innovating and it's not good enough that you're just like a shoe product. It needs to have like all this and all that. That was something that we kept hearing, but... within the two of us we just you know kept kind of looking at each other and being like hang on no that doesn't really align with what what our values and what we believe we've seen firsthand people come to us for style advice like they want help with how to wear things and what to wear and so we were like by giving them all this choice we'll just be confusing them we don't want to confuse our customers we want to tell them this is what you should be wearing this is what we think is cool that was what we saw the value in and I think the learning there is that you know along the way you are going to get advice if you ask for it and that's great and some of that advice will be the best advice you ever got but at the same time you have to be willing to stick to what you really believe in and at the end of the day you're the one that's going to have to make those decisions and it's not even like one of the decisions is right and one of the decisions is wrong and I actually have a friend who is constantly paralyzed by decision making and can never pick which way to go and I said to her the other day you know You just have to pick one. One is not the right, one is not the wrong, but it's up to you to decide what's the way forward for you and you're going to go forward with that and you're going to make it work. And I think it's really easy as a young person as well to kind of look at these like older, more established people and think, oh, well, they're successful and they think that I should be doing it this one way. But honestly, then the more successful people you speak to, you realize that even they have very conflicting advice and views of where you should take your business, which I feel like just validates this idea that everyone means well and everyone has great ideas but ultimately you need to trust yourself and also having the two of us just make that so much easier that we just constantly check in with each other oh did you feel that way when they said this yes I did oh so did I perfect you know just to really have someone like keep you accountable for what you really set out to create Totally. And so another thing that we really got out of that startup program was they paired us with mentors on the program. So um, there were some amazing people that had worked on incredible businesses in all different fields. And we were assigned two of those mentors and we started to catch up with them about once a month um, just to talk through our business and what we're up to, any pain points we're experiencing. And mentors really changed our lives and changed Mm -hmm. our business. It's something now we completely advocate for we have a bunch of different mentors that we can kind of draw on for different things. You know, we have one that's really like fashion focused. We have one that's really business focused. We have one that's more, you know, personal. There's just like having this suite of mentors and really this is where the idea of podcasting came about to us Mm -hmm. um, has really, really been super valuable. And it's something that I talk a lot to my friends who I know are starting their own businesses or even, you know, in a job and, and trying to get their career up and running. And they always, always say, how do I even find a mentor? 100%. That's what I was thinking. And I think, you know, for us, a lot of the mentors that we found have been, again, just through actively seeking out people that we think are really, really intelligent 
and clever and amazing. And so one person was actually who you'll actually hear from in a future episode. The way we got her to be our mentor was we knew she was um, really high up in this amazing company that we looked up to. And we heard that she had left the company. And so I actually saw her out one day and she you saw her getting her lashes done and your lashes done. Yes, you're right. We were both getting our lashes done and at Bat Your Lash, which is our favorite lash place. Mm-hmm. And she mentioned to me, oh, I'm actually taking a bit of a leave. I'm going to Italy for a little bit. I'm going to Sicily and then I'm going to be coming back and I'm going to be you know, starting something new. I don't really know yet. And I thought, oh my God, she is so fantastic. I don't know how, but she needs to be involved in our business in some way. And so I thought, what could I offer her? So I actually said, oh, I actually have a really good friend who's dating somebody that's from Sicily and they have this whole Sicily list. Give me your email address and I'll send you that list. And that was the beginning of a beautiful friendship with her for us and I don't actually think we've ever told her that story but no I was just thinking oh she's gonna listen to the podcast and hear that for the first time that's funny yeah that's really funny but you know doing things like that and and going out there and building relationships and chatting to people that you think might know somebody that could be good for you to be mentored by well and I think also like the idea of finding a mentor is you have to find the one right mentor and that's actually not the case. We have a bunch of different mentors, as Steph touched on, with a bunch of different skill sets. And so getting caught up in finding the right person, I feel like might not necessarily be where you should spend your energy because once you meet them, they might introduce you to someone else who introduces you to somewhere else. And it's just, you know, the word mentor might seem scary, but really what you're just doing is bringing someone into your network that can then help you and guide you and advise you and connect you with people and businesses that you might not have had access to before. And it might even be someone that you meet up with every six months or, you know, like mentors, mentor relationships can look like different things. It really depends on the person. It really depends on you. It doesn't have to be a formal thing where you say to them, can you be my mentor? Yeah, it might it's like just... asking someone out on a date. I know it's really scary. We've done it before. It's, <laughs> it's really, really scary. Awkward. But it doesn't necessarily need to be that. Like I can think of people in our network who are our mentors and they're just people we occasionally even like once a year chat to when we need to and I think the amazing thing is a lot of people are really really generous with their time and you know they they learn too out of sharing with you I know we've recently started to mentor someone ourselves through our initiative too good Um, it hasn't been announced yet who the recipient is but we're definitely we're going to announce it in a few months and we'll definitely have her on the show and already you know sitting with her I totally understand how much there is to gain back from being a mentor and passing on your wisdom because they have their own wisdom to share. They have their own perspective. They have their own experiences that you can learn from too. Yep. So, okay, let's get back to tubes. Let's hone it in and get back to tubes. It was around that time that we actually met that mentor that Steph was saying, the Italy, then then the lashes and whatever. So um, she kind of came into our business and was like, you know, you guys are so creative, you you know, you're stylish and you create great imagery for how to live. But I'm not really seeing any of that come through tubes, you know, like it's when I go to your website, like it's pretty sterile and I'm not really understanding what you're about from just looking at your imagery and looking at the content that you're putting out. And part of the reason for that was we really just wanted to photograph the shoes. We knew the shoes were cool in our own brains. We love them. So we were like, 
if we just photograph them against a white wall, people will get them, right? Exactly. And like, you know, we thought that because we were online, we had to show like every angle of the shoe and like, you know, have the best lighting and all of those things. And she was like, no, it doesn't really work like that, I don't think. So what she actually encouraged us to do was to create a photo shoot with our existing product that was already on the website. And she's like, it'll be a great test for you guys. Just reshoot it in a way that, you know, feels true to you. And then put the photos up and it's the exact same product and you'll be able to see, like, does it speak to people more than the plain white boring stuff? And she was so right. And we ended up reshooting it. Um, and the imagery was significantly better. I think now our, our imagery is significantly amazing. Um, but then it was, it was pretty awesome. And she was absolutely right. Like once we started to really tell that brand story, not only through copywriting, but also through imagery, that was when we kind of like, okay, now we're getting some brand DNA. And now we're like creating something that is true and that is meaningful i think the other thing was we were really scared to spend money um in the early days when you know we we were making a little bit of money but we were like we want to be reinvesting it back in in the right places and we just thought well you know if we can like gather a bunch of our friends and take some photos that way that'll be enough of a campaign if we can take something on a white wall with somebody that we found on like a craigslist equivalent that'll be fine and i think we used to write to like tubes customers or something and ask them to meet us on like st kilda beach and take their photo do you remember that you're right yeah that was more for instagram that was cute yeah i know that was really cute we got some great content out of that (laughs) but i think really once Um, you know this mentor encouraged us to go and to spend on getting an art director involved and getting a really high-end photography studio involved not that you're not talking crazy dollars not crazy dollars at all but just someone that knows what they're doing and has done it before just someone who's not like our friend taking the photos exactly and like I think you can see now if you look at our product our imagery our website you get the brand story. You kind of want to be that girl wearing the shoes. And that has just made all the difference. 100%. The other thing that's been really big for us has been digital marketing. So I think earlier we mentioned that there was like this brand awareness, PR, social media influencer side of things. But what we really weren't doing was, um, you know, the Facebook ads. And once we started to get introduced to that, it really, really changed our business. Mm Mm-hmm. So somebody actually sat us down and took us through how digital marketing works. And we can definitely, if you guys are interested, have another talk on digital marketing because there is a lot to share there and we have a lot, a lot, a lot of learnings. Steph will tell you about it because that's her side. I don't do it. Well, maybe we could even invite our digital marketing team (gasps) now onto it. That would be so fun. What a good idea. Yeah. So we can definitely go into that more. But really, I ran our Facebook and Instagram ads for a year. It was a really powerful way of marketing. And again, it was that idea of you do have to be spending money to make money and spending it in the right way and learning how to do it is really important because it might seem like, oh, I could do this. I could just put some money into ads and this will go crazy. But, you know, if you do use the tools that are out there to learn how to use it to your advantage and use it in the right way, it can be really, really powerful Some a mistake that we made in the beginning was we, again, we just were like, let's just get quick sales. Let's do whatever's like the clickbaitiest thing to do. Let's just put like, you know, whatever photos up there. And I think, you know, 
there was a positive because a lot of people heard about tubes this way, Mm -hmm. but it also kind of put the wrong idea of tubes in their mind. And I think that, you know, we weren't thinking enough about telling the story. We were thinking too much about the quick sale because we'd launched and we hadn't had all these sales straight away. We were like, all right, how can we just do this? And a newer mentor that we've brought on and is actually working with us as a consultant now has helped us to see that, There's no quick road. You know, we thought when we were starting Tubes that within three months we were going to be making millions of dollars because we'd heard about, you know, the Daily Edited and all these other people that had done that and that had worked for them. But I think really like you hear about the one in a million story and you read about that and you're like, I'm going to be that. But really the secret to having any kind of, um, you know, success in business is it is a long game. It's a totally a long game. And I think we would both agree it wasn't until maybe this summer that has just passed that, um, you know, before that it kind of felt like we were doing well and we were making really good sales, like strong, not as strong as we wanted. And then, you know, it felt like we were constantly like, our shoes are cool, our shoes are cool, we promise they're cool. And we were like trying to, you know, constantly push it with journalists, constantly push it, try to get it into fashion shows and things like that. Exactly. And it wasn't until this season that just passed that something clicked and it was like everyone understood. And we no longer felt like we were convincing people that they really are like now it's kind of becoming its own beast and like there's becoming this movement around the shoes and people are really passionate about them and now when we like walk outside and see someone walking down the street in a pair of tubes like we literally like pinch ourselves times a million and I think there are so many things that have gone into leading us here now you know it's the Facebook it's the advertising it's the PR it's the social media it's It's us being it's us being influencers beforehand all of that has definitely contributed but I think that what we've really learned is that you can't speed up time mm-hmm. and nothing builds a brand like time does. You know, there was no shortcut that we could have taken to get the brand to be where it is now a couple of years ago. It's really like building that brand trust with your customers, um, you know, creating those relationships, hustling for every single article that you get, hustling for every single sale. This has led us to be where we are now. That's such a good point. I think another part of it um, that we've only really started to realize in the last year is how important it is, especially in this day and age, to bring your values into your business and to be communicating that with your your customers. Totally. So you've heard us kind of talk about the fact, I think we spoke to Mia about it. We might have even spoken to Graham about it. The fact that, you know, when we started how to live it was in a very different time where we we didn't want to alienate anybody and we didn't want anyone to feel like they didn't belong with us so along with that came this idea that okay we do have strong beliefs and strong values but we don't really want to put them out there because they might be polarizing and that's not what we want to do Um, but more and more along this journey it started to feel super important that we actually do voice these opinions and you know we're in a position where people are listening to us and so we can not only educate and kind of potentially get them on board but also just service that that inside of ourselves I guess that makes 
us feel really good about what we're doing. And I realized we didn't actually touch on the fact that um, our shoes are vegan. And that's something that we often get asked about now because, you know, it's like a buzzword and it's cool now and all that good stuff. Um, But the absolute, absolute truth is that Steph and I are huge animal lovers. And when we set out to create our shoes, we, I don't remember having the conversation. I don't know if you do, but she's, she's shaking her head. I'm shaking my head. Sorry. I forgot we're on podcast for a sec. Um, I I don't think we had that conversation of, okay, like, are we going to use leather? leather? Are we not going to? It never crossed our minds to use leather because we are at our core. We love animals. We don't eat them. And so it just made no sense to us that we would be putting them in our shoes. Um, So then we kind of then took it that one step further and we started researching about how to create a vegan product and we we learned things like that the glues need to not have animal rennet in them and went on this whole other journey but it's really something that um is so so true to who we are and I think that that speaks to people because if someone's just creating like a vegan product because they think it's what's going to sell and they yeah, see an opportunity with it yeah like yeah I, I'm still happy with that to be honest like you know, <laughs> I, I'm happy that they're not using animal products but it's it's not that genuine and I think that people sniff that out now and people know like it's not it's doesn't it doesn't feel authentic and so people aren't that willing to get on board totally so another thing that happened along this journey was our collaboration that we did with Gorman um so Steph and I are big Gorman fans we always have been and um through How to Live which we're really interested in working with them. Their values kind of align with ours. They create really colorful, cool clothing and we just think they're fantastic. And without even really actively thinking about it, over the years we have been building this relationship with them where we didn't ask them for anything. They didn't ask us for anything. But every time we got invited to a Gorman event, we would go. A lot of the times we would have a show, we would borrow their clothes and we would tag them in things. And we were just like, you know, going along building this nice relationship because we knew that we loved them and we were really happy to kind of have this connection with Gorman. So once we launched our shoes, you know, then the next kind of chats we started to have is, okay, it would be so great if we could collaborate with somebody like particularly because the shoes were um, plain colors. We saw a great opportunity in like patterned shoes. We were like, this could be something really cool. Who could we do it with? Oh, the dream would be Gorman. But it was very much that. Oh, the dream was the dream. Yeah. It was never going to happen. The dream would be Gorman. Like good luck girls kind of situation. Yeah. So literally we emailed Gorman and we knew them and we knew Lisa Gorman, who's the founder because we just hung out with her at events. And we were at a Gorman event and we saw Lisa and we were chatting to her and we were hanging out with her. And I think Jess and I might have even said to each other before, oh my God, let's just drop in the collab. Yeah, like let's just throw it out there. Like who cares? What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. So we were just like, hey Lisa, ha, we're having such a great time. What do you think about a Tubes X Gorman collab? And she was like, yeah, call me. And she we was like, like, cool, yeah, here's my email address. Like just like make it happen. You can talk to my, I can't remember at the time, marketing assistant or something like that. And we were just like, oh okay cool like not actually thinking it was going to be a thing so we went in for a meeting um a couple of weeks later and we were thinking this was going to be like a big pitch meeting and we were gonna have to like get ready to sell ourselves I think we had like a bit of a presentation ready and I think we also thought like it was a long game like we didn't think that like we were going in there to like just to create the collaboration and it was happening like that season but but what we didn't think about was the fact that we had been playing the long game for years already 100% Great point. Yeah, like 
nothing does happen overnight. And this wasn't overnight either. It was just that we'd been playing this long game. We didn't know that it was leading up to this moment. We hadn't had in our minds this whole time. This will be because of a shoe collab. And I think that that was, you know, what it made it a really genuine relationship as well. And why they felt it too, was we weren't actually trying to get anything out of them. Totally. And I think like we are people, people. And when I say that, I don't mean that we're like super extroverted because we're not. I actually like prefer to be at home in my own company most of the time. But it's that we're thoughtful and that we go out of our way to make people feel heard and make people feel special. And I definitely think that that um, has benefited us along the way in a very, very big way. So we sat down with Lisa ready for our big pitch and she was like, Okay, cool. I'm really feeling this Tubes X Gorman collab. I'm she thinking she put it on. I remember she put the shoe on and she was like walking around in it. And I remember like I was like, oh, does it fit her perfectly? I know. Like I was like super worried. Like and I was like, is she going to roll her ankle? Like I'm scared. And she was just like, not that that has ever happened before, by the way. Nobody no. rolls their ankle in tubes. No, I was just like, like on the edgest of the edge. Yeah, totally. And she was just like, yeah, this is awesome. Let's do it in two styles. Let's do this color. Let's do this. This is the timeline I'm thinking. And we just left there absolutely bewildered. Like, oh my God, Gorman X Tubes is actually happening. Yeah, we literally left there like squealing in the car. We we're driving away because obviously, you know, you've got to play it cool in those sorts of meetings, guys. I've got to play it so cool. So you cannot lose your shit in front of everyone like sometimes we have. No, we just lose our shit after on Instagram stories and they probably see it, but oh well. Yeah, exactly. So it was a full year before we got the collab out, but exactly a year ago or a year and four months rather, um, we released the Tubes X Gorman collab they were saying to us in the weeks leading up, oh my God, we haven't ordered enough. We haven't ordered enough. And like they'd, they'd ordered-, ordered so much. Like they'd ordered more than we order of our shoes. Yeah. So we were just like, uh, this is never going to sell. Yeah, Obviously getting they- a bit down on ourselves the way women do. They were like, it's definitely going to sell out. And like, we were like, yeah, yeah, totally. And then we would look at each other and like shake our heads like, no, 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 it's not going to. Anyway, within about an hour of launching, they called us and they were like, guys, they're selling out. We haven't ordered enough. We need to double our order. How quickly can we get them? And I think within- Oh my God, it was crazy. Oh, we and it just- was the day of Elliot's. It was, I was putting on a surprise party for Elliot for his birthday. And um, so I was like running around doing this surpri- stupid surprise party. And like Gorman were calling me like 24 seven. And then I was on the phone to the supplier and I was like trying to see if we could like get it by the time that they wanted. And it was like the craziest day. And I remember they sold out like within a few weeks it was, it was two hours they sold out online literally fully online they'd sold out and around australia in the stores they'd sold out within a day people went bananas for it it was really really crazy so that pretty much brings you up to speed on the basics of tube so far talking about it today i think we've realized there is a way more we could talk about them. Just one little episode. Like we haven't even told you about our team. Or um, about our roles. Yeah. There's a lot more we could chat about. But so we're not going anywhere. There are plenty more podcast episodes to follow. And I think if you guys like this episode, we are definitely happy to keep putting sprinkling, if you will, sprinkling episodes like this throughout the podcast. And so if there is anything that we spoke about today that is really interesting to you and you want to hear more about, or if you want to hear more about any other things in our business, we are very happy to share and be open and honest with you. So please leave a comment, let us know what that might be, and we will be reading and we'll keep doing these episodes. But before we go, let us end on some quick fires. Woohoo! This is my favorite part. Is this everybody's favorite this part? This is my favorite part. I really enjoy it. I feel like it's a nice, light, fun way to end. 
So like last time, I've written some questions for Steph. See, she's written some questions for me. We don't know what they are. Do you want to go first or you want me to? I'll go. So what is your favorite place to eat in LA? Jones on Third. Oh, that was easy. Yum. Um, Tuna salad, delicious. Oh, so good. Do you want me to ask the next one or do you want to ask the next one? You could ask Oh, I can. Young girl, the bold type. Oh, younger, please. Don't even have to think about that one. Sorry, I love the bold type, just to be clear. But younger is life. Younger is life. (laughs) What's the Olsen twin movie you've seen the most times? Passport to Paris. Yeah, good. Same. Um, Your dream tubes collab? Ooh. Stella McCartney. Like it. Yeah. Uh, If you had your own yoga school... Mm-hmm. What would you call it? I thought this one was very fitting seeing as you're about to go off and do a yoga teacher training. That's a, not a quick fire. I know, but I thought I just had to ask something about yoga and last time we asked about poses. Um, and I also thought it'd be cool if you named it right now and then one day you did open a school and it was actually called this and it was like, ha it was just from this time we did quick Oh, uh, I know. It could be called live because it could like have how to live connotations. Oh, I like, love it. Like it could be the continuation of live. Like maybe it's like our wellness arm. Oh my God, that is so good. How did you come up with that? That's genius. I know, it just came to me. Also, because I was panicking that I wasn't going to come up with a good idea. <laughs> um, and your favorite dessert? Mm. I think I'm going to go with good old chocolate mousse. Yum. Nothing what, like a good chocolate where mousse. Where from? Romeo's in yeah. Track Village. Same. It has so, like yeah. chocolate bits through it. It is delicious. So as usual, we better end off on telling them who our podcast guest is next week. And it is... The very talented, the incredible Elise Tran from The Daily Edited. So we've got the co-founder of The Daily Edited on. This was like the most candid conversation we have had probably on this podcast so far. Um, Elise just sat down and poured her heart out to us, really. Got a bit emotional in some parts. So We all did. I feel like we all got a yeah, bit emotional. Yeah, yeah, totally. It was a really, really great conversation. Uh, so hope you have a great week. I'm going to have a great week in Bali. Enjoy. Get some sunshine for all of us. I feel like it's getting wintry in Melbourne. Okay. Bye. Bye.